a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, so if you've been around Jubilee any length of time, you will know that one of our core values is loving those who don't know Jesus yet. And if you haven't heard me say that before, then that's maybe new news for you. But it is. It's one of the things that's most important to us, loving those who don't know Jesus yet. I'm always going on about it. But this morning, I want to ask this question. Why bother? Why bother? So my title this morning, if you're making notes, is this, Why Bother? You know, aren't we just about sort of comfortable as it is? It's, you know, it's nice to know most of the people around. And, you know, we've got some comfy seats. It's easy to find our favorite place. And do we really want any new people? I mean, really? Why bother? I mean, you might be open to one or two uh, Christians joining us, perhaps, and helping with some things. And, but people far from God, I mean, God, isn't that just hard work? Why bother? Why bother? Well, I'm hoping that my introduction may have got your attention. And for the record, before any of you misquote me, I'm going to make, I'm not going to make an argument in favour of not bothering. Because <laughs> I don't believe that's biblical. But it's interesting because whilst very few churches would ever say they don't bother or they don't care or it's not important, in practice, many of them act like it. And I don't say that to judge any church, but rather as a wake-up call to us as well as others and say, it's fine saying something, but you need to follow through with actions. It's like when you parent a child, isn't it? And if you say there's going to be a certain sanction for doing something, or equally not doing something, then you have to carry it through. It's true, isn't it? Those of you who are parents will know what I mean. You think, yeah, if you say, if you don't eat your dinner, there's going to be no TV this evening, you have to follow it through. You have to be consistent with what you do, with what you say. And friends, the same is true for us as a church as well. That when we say something like, you know, people who are far from God are really important to us. We want to love people who don't know Jesus yet. Actually, we need to make sure that we not only say it, but we follow it through in our actions. And both our actions are intentional and unintentional. I've talked before about culture and uh, Really, people can pick up on culture in a, in a group of people. And what's important? What are some of the values? You know, <clears throat> what, what's, what's not said by everybody sort of assumes? Well, I want to make it really clear this morning that we should bother. Okay? So please don't start tweeting that I think we shouldn't because actually I do think we sh should bother. It's really important that we bother. I mean, everything that we do on a Sunday should actually serve people who are far from God, who are maybe asking some questions, or are looking in, wondering if the Christian faith makes sense to them. 
So the way things are set up, the welcome, the way guests are treated, everything that like that happens practically should come out as a result of what we say we believe. And so I want to spend the remainder of our time together this morning examining why we should bother and why it should be important for us to love those who don't know Jesus yet. Is that okay? Good. So that's what we're going to do. Let's pray and then we'll, uh, we'll get going on that. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your presence with us this morning. And uh, we pray now as we spend a few moments in your words, as we consider these things together, that you would speak to us, Lord, by your spirit, please. Would you be very present now? Would you speak to our hearts, both individually and together, that, Lord, even out of this morning, there might be lives who are touched with the gospel because of what we've heard. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a note of caution before we get into this in too much detail. It's perfectly possible to believe all this in theory and to sit there and go, yeah, that sounds great, great. That sounds really good. Sort of nod and, you know, be affirmative in it, but for our actions to say something quite different. And I guess that's true both personally and also together corporately. You know, we could all sit here and agree that we should be reaching out to people who don't know Jesus yet. We could say, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. We might have some acquaintances that perhaps are like that, but we're not any real friends. And it would also be true for us as a church. We could say, oh, yes, yeah, I, I agree with that. That's, that's, that's important. But actually, the way we, for example, welcome people or equally don't, actually says something quite different and could even put people off from searching or asking questions. So why bother? Why reach out? Why grow or, or want to grow? Well, for the record, <clears throat> I do believe that God wants this church to grow. I really do. I wonder, do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants Jubilee to grow? There's a question. You can think about the answer, if you like. How might you answer it? You see, actually, I believe God wants his church worldwide to grow. I believe that's his heart. That's his intention. God has designed it that healthy things grow. That happens in nature, doesn't it? All around us. And it's as we grow that I believe we can be more effective at reaching people for Christ. It's as we grow that we can start to do other things in helping to disciple and pastor and care for people, as well as reach new people. Sometimes people think that a large church equals less pastoral care. Well, I don't think that is necessarily true. Actually, in larger churches, you can often find that uh, you can have better systems in place. You can uh, have staff members who have particular responsibility for different areas. Whereas in small or medium-sized churches, you've got more people carrying lots of different responsibilities. You can help people as the church grows to become more focused on different areas. And a large church has more resources at its disposal to put into reaching others for Christ. And I want us to grow because we've seen people saved and added. Don't you? Don't you want that? Don't you want to see people respond to the gospel and be added into us? Now, 
I know that large churches aren't perfect. I know that small and medium-sized churches aren't perfect either. So you might think, oh, the church I came from was large and it was a disaster. Or you might think the church you perhaps saw elsewhere was, was small was a disaster. Well, you know, there's great big churches and there's great little churches. And there's not so great big churches and not so great little churches as well. But I just want to put in us this morning a desire that we might grow and be more effective at the mission that God has got for us. Does that sound good to you? Do you, do you want to see that? Bill Hybels describes people who are far from God as lost. He says that um, lost people matter to God. It's a phrase that he uses. Jesus used the same idea as well when he talks. And I guess if lost people matter to God, then they should probably matter to us as well. Would you agree? Do do, do you think so? Maybe this morning you describe yourself as far from God. Maybe you describe yourself as on a journey. Perhaps you're asking some questions. Maybe you came with a friend and you're thinking, I'm just beginning to explore some of this stuff. That's great. We're thrilled you're here. I even hope that this morning can be a part of your journey and answering some questions for you. But listen, if that's you this morning, then know this. You matter to God. You do. You matter to God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you matter to God. It's true, you do. You matter to God. Maybe you've got a a husband or a wife who's far from God. Maybe a son or daughter who's far from God. They matter to him. And the Bible tells us that those who are far from God are heading for an eternity without him. That's a horrific thought. Why bother? Hey, that's why bother. People who are far from God matter to him. Peter explains in his letter in um, 2 Peter chapter 3 that God doesn't want anyone to perish. It says in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, Jesus spent lots of his time with people who are far from God. Why? Well, we're told the answer in Mark chapter 2. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, Luke chapter 15 is a passage of the Bible that I've preached from many times. It starts with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law complaining that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, in Middle Eastern culture, we need to understand this. To have a friend is, is one thing. You can do that. But to eat with, eat with someone, that signifies deep friendship. That signifies real relationship. And Jesus was well known as someone who ate with sinners, those who were far from God. It, it seems that he went out of his way intentionally to be with people who were Far from God. I wonder, do we do that? 
So you do that, so I do that, so we go out of our way to make friends with people who are far from God. Seeking to build a bridge of friendship that uh, at some point we could introduce them to Christ and share something of what God's done in our own lives. Are we that intentional? Jesus was that intentional. Jesus is our perfect example here. So we've often looked at um, at Luke chapter 15 together. And um, in it, we find Jesus telling three stories or parables about things that were lost. In fact, if you've got a Bible with you, perhaps you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 15, please. We'll look at it in a moment. And you'll see that in Luke chapter 15, there there are three things that are lost. There's a sheep, a coin, and a son. And it sort of builds with importance here. It starts with a sheep. It's one in a hundred that, that's lost. And then there's, uh, then there's a coin that's lost. A woman loses, uh, has ten coins and loses one. Now it's up in the ante slide. It's one in ten that's got lost. And then there's a father who's got two sons. And one of them walks away. One out of the two. And every time Jesus ups the ante here, And um, often we've looked at the parable of the lost son. (coughs) But what I want to do today is look at the parable briefly of the lost sheep. So if you've got your Bible there, let's read some verses together in Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, most of us don't live in agricultural communities. Now, even those of you who live in the countryside, and there are some of you who do, not many of you work in that sector. So we're not in an agricultural environment, but Jesus is speaking to a group of people who have been very familiar with shepherds and those who looked after sheep. They would have known that there's a value to sheep. Now, it might be the shepherd owns them. It might be that that's just his job. He looks after somebody else's. We don't know. And really, it doesn't matter. What does matter is this. The shepherd cares for his sheep, and one has gone missing. So in the story, we have the following characters. We have the shepherd, we have the lost sheep, and we have the other 99 sheep as well. So let's consider those for just a moment. So first of all, the 99 other sheep. So these are the ones who weren't lost. These are the good sheep. These are the ones who followed the shepherd, did what they were told, didn't run off, and are where they should have been when it came to counting time. One, two, three, four. Oh, I get tired. Six, seven, eight, 97, 98, 99. Oh. And you can imagine, can't you, the shepherd thinking, oh, I'm miscounting. 
we'll start again. One, and he goes through, and he's got these 99 sheep. These are the good ones. You see, you need to remember, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. These are people who saw themselves as righteous, as holy, as close to God. And in many ways, they are. They, they, they try and follow the law. But the massive issue is that their hearts are not right with God. They might observe all the externals, all the rules and regulations, but their hearts are far from God. It might see from the outside they're the good ones. But really, inside, their hearts are nowhere. Their hearts are far from God. How sad. How sad that those who thought they were close were actually far away. Friends, this will make us stop and think. Before we talk about the lost sheep, let's just think about these for a moment. Those who thought they were so close were actually so far away because their hearts were not right with God. They were just observing the externals. Just going through the motions, if you like. Just pause for a moment. Just think about that. Is that you? Are you just observing these external things? Is it just going through the motions for you? Are you maybe trying to get right with God through what you do? God is after your heart. He's after your heart. This morning, God wants your heart. That's what he's after. Obedience comes after your heart is made right. You see, obedience doesn't make you right with God, but rather obedience comes as a result of getting right with God. Allowing him to do something in your heart. By you surrendering to his lordship over your life. And putting your total and complete trust in him. And as a result of that, things happen in your life. I do believe God this morning wants to check some hearts. This is I was preparing this week. I, I felt God speak to me about wanting to do some heart surgery this morning. And I felt for maybe one or two of you, there's a, a heart surgery moment coming even this morning, and it's it's though your heart has become cracked. That's the picture I had of a, of a cracked heart. And, and not just one crack running through, but rather almost like a mosaic. Or it's like cracks everywhere, it seems. I do believe God wants to do some heart surgery this morning. And do some healing up. Because it's after our hearts. The second character we have in the story is the shepherd. The shepherd. And in Jesus' story, the shepherd loses a sheep. One goes off. And the story here, the shepherd signifies God. And so one of the sheep goes off. It's only one. Still got 99. But it is still one. You know, I have to admit, I used to wonder, reading this parable, I used to think, why does he leave the 99? Surely that's not so bad, after all. You know, he had 100, he's got 99. It's not bad. It's not like, you know, he had two and he's lost one. That would have, that would have been bad. He's lost half of them. But, you know, it's only 1%. 
That's, that's not a bad, bad loss, really, is it? Why would he risk losing the other 99 to go after the one? Why do that? That's what I used to think when I used to read this passage. Remember that the shepherd represents God. And God is always interested in the one, isn't he? It's not just crowds of people. God's interested in the individual, the one. Yes, he loves the 99 too. But God always has been and always will be a God of the individual, of the one. And so you might think this morning that God wouldn't bother with you. Why, why, why would he be interested in you? Wouldn't he rather take, just take care of the others that he's got? What this story shows us is that God is interested in the one. Isn't that good news? God always goes after the one. If you were the only person who needed saving, Jesus would have still died for you. Kenneth Bailey, in his excellent book, The Cross and the Prodigal, which he says looks at Luke 15 through the eyes of Middle Eastern peasants. He says this about this passage. Listen to this. The 99 sheep were left in the wilderness, perhaps with an under-shepherd and quite likely in a cave. Yet was it wise to leave the 99 and wander away searching for the one? Christian missionaries have debated this point with communist dialecticians in China. Does the lost individual matter, or are the people alone important? Indeed, it is the shepherd's willingness to go after the one that gives the 99 their real security. If the one is sacrificed in the name of the larger good of the group, then each individual in the group is insecure knowing that he or she, too, is of little value. If lost, they'll be left to die. It is the shepherd's willingness to go after the one that gives the 99 their real security. God is interested in the one, in the individual, in the one. Elsewhere, in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as a father knows me and I know the father. It's a good shepherd. He goes after the one. Well, what about the sheep? Well, the sheep represent us. The lost sheep represent us. You see, sheep have a tendency to wander off, to do stupid things. And that's us. We have a tendency to wander off, don't we? To make bad decisions, to do stupid things. That's what sheep do, and often that's what we do as well. So let's be clear. To Jesus, lost things are important. Lost people, even more important. Lost people matter to God. And this whole parable, this whole chapter of Luke 15 even, demonstrates that to us. <clears throat> before we leave this chapter and look at what the implications for us are, and we'll do that in just a moment before we finish. Can you turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, just very quickly. Matthew chapter 9. I want to show you one more verse before we 
look at the implications for us. Matthew 9, verse 36. This is so important, friends. I want you to see this. This is um, what's happening here, talking of Jesus. It says, when he saw the crowds, talking of Jesus, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, sheep need a shepherd to guide them, to care for them, to lead them to keep them safe. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In a moment, we're going to consider what the implications are for us. But before we do, I want us to make sure that our hearts are not moved by any sense of guilt or law or rule or instruction or or me saying we should do this, but rather our hearts are moved by compassion. Compassion for those who are lost. Compassion for those who are like sheep, helpless. Maybe not even knowing the danger that they're in. Let's allow God to move our hearts. Allow God to melt your hearts. Allow yourself to weep over people who are far from God. Let God show you why bother. It's not about me preaching a great sermon. That doesn't happen very often. It's not about me trying to convince you theologically of the truth of this argument, although I'm trusting that you're seeing the truth of it in God's words. But rather it's about God changing your heart. To see people as he does. To have compassion for those who are lost. And it's only then that we should get to the question of, well, what should we do then? What are the implications for us? Now, I think a message like this has implications for us personally and corporately. So very quickly, personally. If you're a Christian already here this morning, are you building relationships, friendships, with people who are far from God? Are you listening to the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit? Allowing him to prompt you when to say something, when to reach out, when to speak of your faith, when to offer to pray. Are you allowing God to move your heart? And if you're not yet a Christian this morning, maybe you're just here and you're asking some questions and you maybe just come to find out a little bit more then maybe you feel a bit like that lost sheep this morning, wandering about, not quite sure where to go, not quite sure how things make sense. Maybe you've even thought this morning, you know, well, that's me. <laughs> I'm that sheep. Well, this morning is a voice that I want you to hear. And it's a voice of the good shepherd calling your name. You see, he knows you by name. He knows who you are. He knows all about you. He knows what's good about you and what's not so good. He knows everything you've done. Everything you will do. He knows what's inside of you, even that other people have never seen. And he loves you. This morning I want you to hear him calling your voice. Calling you into a relationship with him. (coughs) Calling you home. Inviting you to follow him. 
But corporately as well, let's be intentional about us seeking to reach out to those who are far from God. Let's make our services, our public gatherings, our meetings as accessible as possible to people who are asking questions and on a journey. And that doesn't mean that we ditch the presence of God. Absolutely not. Quite the opposite, in fact. But it does mean that we explain things as we go along. So a good example of that is in our worship earlier when we had a tongue and interpretation. We just paused and said, this is what's going on here. Now, for many of you, you would have thought, I know what's going on here. I don't need telling. Well, I wasn't telling you. It was for even perhaps the one person who thought, not quite sure what that is. Well, we'll just pause and say, this is what that is. This is what's going on here. God's in this place. He's, he, he's speaking to us and through us. And this is what was happening here. And we will do that when we need to, uh, as we gather, as, as we meet. And we're going to explain those things in order that we might serve people well and help them and encounter, help them encounter God. It doesn't mean we ditch the presence of God and go, oh, no, we can't have those things. No way. We absolutely want those things. But we just need to explain it as we go. I saw a quote this week which said this. Some churches have become so seeker sensitive, the only person they offend is God. Let's not become like that. Let's absolutely go to the presence of God. Allow him to minister to us and welcome him in this place. But let's just explain things as we go. Let's welcome our guests really well. I talked about that a few weeks ago. Let's do our very best to put people at ease in order that they might encounter the living God. So why bother? Well, ultimately because Jesus bothered. He took on human form put on flesh, if you like, and became a man. <clears throat> and that's what we will celebrate in just a few weeks' time at Christmas. He bothered. Jesus bothered. So should we. Can we stand together? Perhaps the band can come back, please. Adam's going to lead us in a song in a moment as we close. I'm going to pray in a second, but after that, I just want to give anyone an opportunity to respond this morning to anything that I've brought. Particularly, maybe if you <coughs> felt that word about heart surgery was for you, Maybe you feel your heart has become almost shattered. Then I believe God wants to do some heart surgery this morning. Maybe that's you. Maybe if it's that you want God to give you a fresh passion for people who are far from him. And I do believe as well that God wants to restore some hope this morning. It's the phrase I had. And I think for some of you that's actually a hope where it's been battered, but also a hope and belief that you will see people respond to the gospel. And maybe it sees a hope for an individual or a circumstance that you're thinking, can, really, can God really break in? Can he break through? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. 
So I'm going to pray, then Adam's going to lead us in a song. And if you'd like to respond to any of those words, if you just come to the front real quick as we sing, and there'll be others that will gather around and pray with you and for you. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, for your presence amongst us. Lord, we thank you that you are here. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you bothered. We thank you that you gave up the glory, majesty, splendor, and security of heaven to take on human flesh. <clears throat> Jesus, you bothered. <laughs> and so, Lord, we pray this morning that we would see. We pray, Lord, that you would give us a compassion for those who are far from you, a compassion for those who maybe don't know of your love yet, but also in that a passion for your glory and your kingdom to our hearts. So Lord, we pray that you'd work in our hearts, Lord, work in our lives, Jesus, even in these moments together as we look to you, as we worship and sing, we, we pray, Lord, would you come by your Spirit? Father, come and do what only you can do, Lord. We invite you now in these moments, we say, come Holy Spirit, come and work in our hearts, Lord, come and change us, Lord, come and heal us up. Come and restore hearts that have been shattered and broken. Lord, come and give us a passion for people who are far from you. And Lord, where hope has been battered, Lord, I pray now, you would bring fresh hope by your spirits. Now you would come, Lord, you would bring right now, even in these moments. Just lift your hands to the Lord if that's you, maybe. Lord, I pray now. Lord, I pray that you would bring fresh hope in Jesus' name. Let it come by your Spirit, Lord. Right now, we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Come along on any Sunday morning.